G'day, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. I'm with Dave at With Sober Senses. I'm John Pacini at John Pacini, very imaginative, on Twitter. Now, you might have remembered, might remember that the Living the Dream podcasts about a year ago, we did quite a few on Queensland, on the Queensland election. We were looking at a bunch of different issues facing Queensland, and now we've decided, let's come back. Let's, let's come back about a year after. Has it been a long? Uh, almost. Yeah, well, the Queensland election was it's only January. It's January. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Like, we've got about ten months then. Okay. You know, there's there's enough time, I think, to start looking back. Maybe looking back at what's happened. Were we right in our but estimations? Al- but also the kind of what's Queensland like under Labor? That's right. I think John yeah. and I were discussing that we're going to call this series mm. "Summertime in the Workers' Paradise: Living Life under. in Queensland under Labor." Something like that. So the next couple of weeks, yeah. we'll I think we'll, what we'll attempt to do is have a look at um, what are the baseline antagonisms that are being expressed on the level of the state, and how is the government attempting to manage those? Mm-hmm. Because I think yep. in our previous series, yep. that the kind of basic thesis that we put forward was that the financial crisis slash the end of the mining boom is posing a challenge to the state to fund social reproduction, yep. and that the Newman government had a very clear strategy. Yeah, yeah. What well, was that strategy? Uh, well, the, the Newman government's plans kind of were to do with effectively privatisation of privatisation of state assets. They imagined, they saw that there was a debt problem in Queensland, which there is, there is a significant debt problem, in at least in terms of Australian levels of debt, not internationally, but certainly mm. within the context of Australia. And their solution to this was through a wholesale program of, of, of privatisation, which they would frame they frame as asset leasing. Yeah, so, and this would then fund infrastructure expenditure. Yep. And they'd also gone through a program of, I think, um, directly trying to cut some levels of social reproduction. So the sacking 14,000 mm. full-time equivalents. Cuts, cuts to lots of um, social programs. Yeah, cuts to, cuts to yeah, lots yeah. of social programs and attempt to push some of those costs of social reproduction back yeah. into the home and onto yeah. the wage. Yeah. With, I think, which is worth pausing, pretty disastrous yeah. effects. Like, there's yeah. been a... Um, I think, for me, this is just a really standout example, but yeah. there's a, some investigation going on at the moment about a closure of a small... Um, facility for youth with mental health issues yeah, and that yeah, was closed yeah. before alternative care arrangements were developed and three of those young people who were teenagers yeah. committed suicide yeah so you know yeah. then this is that's probably a very um a brutal example of what this yeah. program was well, that's right yeah. and it, it led to a, like a large-scale social not large-scale but relatively for australia rolling series of social protests as well well, that's right, yeah. Newman was definitely able to, you know, one thing he was able to do was to galvanise a whole bunch of protest, bunch of protesters together into uh, to, to some sort of general campaign. I'm not saying that campaign had much to do with his out, with, with his ousting, but certainly it complicated the state's role in, in guaranteeing social peace. Yeah, totally. And the other thing is as well, this... Um plan to privatise state assets was coordinated on a federal level as well. So mm. on a federal level, the federal government was attempting to bring through, and is still trying to attempt to bring through as far as I'm aware, mm. legislation that says if a state sells off assets and uses those assets, the funds raised, to pay down debt and invest in infrastructure, they will get an extra bonus from yep. the federal government. Now that legislation stalled, but also I think the Queensland election that no one was expecting, including us, That's right. including famously. us, famously, famously. <laughs> including us, has thrown the federal um, plans into disarray. That's right. So we then have the ALP government. Yep. Who were elected 
Well, what were they? On what basis were they elected? Well, very little. I don't think they expected to win for starters. Uh, they had a very poorly fleshed out policy framework. Um, and our state, our assets. Our state, our assets, which I imagine, which I, I remember was a very short document and very low on details. They had a budget. The budget came down in like July, I guess. Yes, the state budgets come down in July. Yeah, well, so maybe that a little was, bit later. And that was quite really very mediocre. Not, not it was very small target budget for a first-term yeah. government. I think it's worth. I, like, my way of kind of thinking about the Palaszczuk Labor state government yeah. is that their core promise has been social peace. Mm. You know, the, the main thing that de delineates them from the Newman government is that they would be able to manage without causing social conflict yep. and without a fundamental de downgrading of the services provided by the state. Yep. So, um, what's this... But what we've got to address is that the even though perhaps the Newman Commission over-egged yep. the stats about the debt... Yeah, the yeah. challenge for the state to fund social reproduction is true. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. like the, the, there is declining revenue, there is rising um, expenditure, and yeah. also state debt has to be thought about. And this is another thing that I wasn't thinking about when we had these conversations, and it's only come into my analysis now. Yeah. The state debt, um, whether on the, you know, I'll just let a fire truck go by. State debt takes the form of bonds, mm. and these bonds are, are assets, right? Totally. They're, Sovereign debt in the form oh, of bonds has two interlinked functions. Yep. On one hand, it's a profitable asset yep. that owners hold, yep. but also it's, uh, it kind of works as a kind of bedrock that all other financial assets are priced against. So an instability in the value of state debt, yep. whether on a federal or a state level, and I'm assuming it's kind of similar state level, yeah. not only costs um, the profits of those who own that debt, Yep. but also has the potential to unsettle financial markets more mm. broadly. Yep. So when governments are concerned about managing their debt, they're not just yep. concerned about their kind of borrowing levels, they're mm. also concerned about the health of financial assets and financial markets. In general, so, yeah. So the state government has, has inherited this problem. Yeah. And also at the same time, it's got the request, it's got the requirement that it has to stimulate some kind of economic growth in the That's period right, of the yeah. downturn of the mining boom. Yeah. But it can't create social conflict. No. What does it do? That's the thing. I mean, it's interesting to, to think about in the context of the last 40 years just how much Labor governments have really been the, the the best governments for capital in that they've been able to maintain social peace from the Hawke government with the Accords, you know, through lots of... Through now the, the Palaszczuk government who's been able to bring the unions as the unions on side, obviously, in a lot of this. So they, they are able to maintain social peace. But what's the, what, what's the Labor government supposed to do? They have a... What's the Labor government going to do to have any economic development in Queensland. They've got this policy, I think it's called, what, Advance Queensland? Yeah, so called? I think there's two things. We'll, let's break it down, yeah, I think. First of all, let's talk about how are they responding to the debt? How are they responding to economic stimulation? Mm. And then I think we'll also need to think about um, yep. both of us working as public sec uh, yep. working yeah, in the public yeah. service, yep. how they're dealing with pay in the public yep. sector as well. Because sure. So the first, the budget really has three key elements to it. Yep. Uh, one of the core elements is they, they've taken a large amount of debt. You say it's $4 billion? About $4 billion. So yep. it's $4 billion of government debt, yep. which they're then handing over onto the books of the state-owned energy-generating corporations. Yep. So they're saying, this is not the general government's debt, this is your debt, yep. and you have to pay that down. Yep. 
and then um, they're getting KP. Then, then they're amalgamating. I think it's five energy companies into two energy yeah, companies. Yeah. And interestingly enough, KPMG is involved in this process. Yep. So I, this has only come up because of our conversation yesterday. They've done have paid, like KPMG was involved originally in advising the government, um, the previous Newman government about asset leasing. This is one of what they call the big four companies that do. Um, they do advice for companies. They do auditing and they do taxation. Yep. They're kind of international corporate conglomerates yep. that states use to rationalise yeah. the state, I imagine. That's right, yeah. So I think Deloitte's is the other... Is yeah, the other PwC. PwC yeah. There's one more. I can't remember. So I think, for me, this is just really interesting because I think um, yeah. I think part of what we've been attempting to do in some of our conversations is to get beyond the state versus market binary, yeah. which yeah. underscores so much of the thinking of the right and the left. Yeah. And I think thinking about the way that private corporate entities play yeah. in actually organising the state... Yeah to both yep. fulfill social reproduction yep. and also as a, a profitable activity yep. is a really good example of that, if that makes sense. Definitely, definitely. But I mean, and it's so that's really interesting, but getting back to, I guess, this idea about the debt and paying down the debt. Yep. So they've got, on the one hand, they are going to be paying down the debt through Giving, through putting money onto these onto these state electricity yep. providers. And there's a few other ways they want to do it, like they're going to stop making payments into Public service, long service, public sector, long service leave, and, and superannuation. So, yeah. so they're going to rather than say paying uh, X amount every year, yeah, they're going yeah. to say, "Well, have an analysis that goes, well, what are our estimated superannuation needs? Yeah, yeah. What are our estimated long service entitlement needs? Yep. We will make contrib- contributions to that level. Yep. Starting from the analysis that we think they're healthy as they are. Yep. That's so th- that's the now. Um, there's two other points I want attached to this. Yeah. First, I think what we should be really clear about is I think this may, this is going to intensify the class struggle in the energy companies. Yep, yep. You know, so they're, they're, they're handing the debt over to the energy companies, they're amalgamating them together, yep. they're saying function as profitable entities. That was actually a cold truck. Yep. They went by, or maybe, who knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, function of profitable en- entities, mm. what this is going to mean is intensify yep. the, the, the point of production antagonism between these energy companies and their employees in yep. terms of staffing levels, in terms of efficiencies, yep. in terms of levels of productivity. Yep. I think that's really interesting, right? Yep. That, yep. That's that's going on there. Yeah, so I mean, both on the level of, you know, there's all this debt now, so they have to figure out ways to service that debt, more debt, even though apparently their debt levels are lower than standard across most of the Australian energy industry, but also because of the amalgamations that are going to happen, obviously that's going to lead to a loss of staff. I think, I think so How too. How it not? Yeah, yeah. Realistically, like, this is part of what these KPMG and others do, is they streamline, yeah. they yeah. efficiency dividends, all yeah. this terrible sort of language that we associate with this thing called neoliberalism. Yeah. Um, so that's, so that's, and the other thing that I think is important too as well is that yeah. the, the budget itself was again premised, yeah. like all budgets are in Australia, about yeah. future predictions of LNG sales yeah. leading to increased revenue, yeah. which I think is completely unrealistic. Definitely. So um, the, the Reserve Bank uh, statement on monetary policy came out last week. I've only yep. started to skim through it and read, yep. read some of the summaries. Yep. It's already saying that... Um, Growth levels are lower than expected. Therefore, we can imagine revenue levels are going to be lower on, on a federal mm-hmm. level. I think mm-hmm. we can think this on a state level too. Yep. So I think we should be 
every time we're looking at the budget documents, mm. we should be realizing that they're premised on a level of growth that probably won't be realized. That's right. Therefore, the debt and deficits yep. are going to be larger Definitely. than they're even dealing with at the moment. That's um, right. On a, on a federal level, like the predictions are still for debts and deficits for the next um, for deficits for the next ten years and growing debt for the next ten years. That's right. And yep. that's already figuring in ridiculous levels of predicted growth but also that the numerous cuts that the Abbott government wanted to do would have gone through so That's it's going to be yeah. it's going to be there's going to be more on the state's plate yeah struggling to deal with social reproduction yeah. than they're currently actually figuring in their own thinking that's right. So, yeah, I mean, and this all comes back, of course, to the decline in the mining boom and the death, the end of the mining boom, whatever yeah. we want to call this. As a manifestation of the global secular a, yeah, stagnation yeah. of capital. That's right. And, you know, like, so obviously um, that's kind of falling apart to a degree. And it is obviously tied into two global mechanisms. But in any case, it's going to have a real effect on the yeah. state. It's going to have a real effect on the state. So what's the state trying to do in Queensland then? To attempt to remedy this secular crisis, to attempt to alleviate the mining to 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 get Queensland out of this kind of mining boom is like effectively my understanding at least is that what Palaszczuk's government's doing is they're bringing in some they're bringing in these these raft of measures under the rubric of advanced Queensland advanced Queensland jobs now jobs in the future yes all the jobs all the time um, basically this seems to be like a half version of the smart state but without any of the money behind it that the smart state had so for major capital projects so it's, about, it's only about 180 million dollars yeah it's a very small amount of money but this is in the context of a budget that gave very little to anyone yeah like it was all about servicing cutting back debt yeah. it, it gave very little it, it funded a few things few few services got refunded yeah. is my understanding they cut the youth boot camps which was yeah. kind of a weird Newman government dog whistle policy yeah. um, but effectively this is a big whack of spending that they want to do where they want to kind of what the academics love to call the the research industry nexus <laughs> so can you explain to us what the advanced Queensland package is about uh, my brief understanding of it is that they want to be able to connect universities with companies and also provide state funds yep. for disruptors mm. for startups mm. Uh, if they can meet, meet corporate backing. That's right, yeah. So yeah. it's an attempt to kind of stimulate research and startups and technological companies yeah. by going, here's a number of different yeah. ways you can access mm. state money yeah. if you develop a kind of yeah. operational yeah, business right. investment around technology. That's right. And this is trying to overcome what in Australia and Queensland has always been the problem that we're a branch, but it's what they call a branch economy, isn't it, really? That basically we just have branch offices of major companies. Yeah. In, our, in Australia, we export minerals, but we don't really have significant indigenous, in Don, whatever the term is, you know, Australian companies that are doing large-scale R&D. That doesn't really happen. It doesn't? No, it doesn't seem to happen. Yeah. At least this is what people are saying. Yeah. It seems that there's not an awful lot of... As, it seems like there's not an awful lot of high-tech technology being produced. So do what the smart state was about back in the 90s, if people remember, Peter Beattie's policy was to um, make Queensland into a leading place to, particularly for health and medical industries. So at UQ, there were, at the University of Queensland, there were lots and lots of buildings built at this time, lots of money was getting put into yeah. developing a spell in Queensland in particular as a centre of brain science technology and all of these other things. So oh, that's interesting. There's quite a lot of money put into that, but this package seems to be a little bit like that, but particularly focused at 
yeah, giving money in a very different context, but like you're saying, it's about giving startup funding. It's yeah. about seed funding. It's about and also I the think, returns you know, that can come from, from doing companies. weird things. Like um, yeah. I think if you're if you're a PhD student who yeah. is willing to cooperate with private industry, you get yeah. like basically double your PhD. You know, they're, they're yeah, paying yeah. ten thousand, forty thousand, thirty That's to forty thousand right. dollars a year. So considerable yeah. amounts of money. That's right. Um, I, I guess like the the. You know, we'll link to the document itself for yeah, right. listeners to have a look at. Yeah. Now, my first analysis is, you know, what what makes companies invest, right? right. Like, what, yeah. what actually drives capital accumulation yeah. is levels of profitability today with expectations yeah. of profitability tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. Like, I'm certainly sure that there might be a number of different kind of grand hunting operations yeah, yeah. that will be able to become profitable businesses out of this. Sure. The idea that you can stimulate you know, uh, res- uh, a level of investment to replace the mining boom yeah, out yeah. of these kind of things, I think, yeah. seem ridiculous to it me. It does. And I mean, I've heard rumors about Brisbane's apparently getting a lot of high-tech investment at the moment, but I'm, I'm not sure what this is really going to do to benefit that. How much role can the state really play with $180 million to totally. further high-tech investment in Queensland and Brisbane in particular? And, and also, I guess it's like, you know, for us in terms of, you know, we're doing a pretty loose theorization here, the state's yeah. role in... Yeah. Um, the operation of capital accumulation on a whole. Yeah. Well, I think you know the state plays a fundamental role in the operation of capital accumulation on a whole. I don't yeah. believe, yeah. like a lot of the social democratic left, yeah. do, that the state can solve the problem of capital no. accumulation. No. Particularly if our analysis is that um, what is going on in Queensland and what is going on in Australia is a product of a global eight-year stagnation. Now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny how short this show is probably looking because there's yeah. not much going on in Queen. Like yeah. the thing that's really interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of really interesting in a really boring way. Yeah. Is that compared to under the Newman government, where stuff was happening all yeah, the time? That's right. It's yep. a sleepy time. It is. It is. So this is the kind of question, I guess, is what happens to what happened to these these movements, I guess. And this is kind of just a general social movement theory point that you know once the source of your antagonism drifts off, you start kind of losing the momentum. It's kind of like the Whitlam effect, where the anti-war movement in the 60s and 70s was kind of curtailed and mainstreamed. Yeah. Well, I guess, I think it's hard because, you know, we've attempted on the blog and on the radio show to have a pretty, you know, from the inside critical analysis of what the opposition to the Newman government was, and particularly what its relationship to the Labor Party is, which is an Australian problem, I think. So, um, it's really interesting, like I'm a, a member of the union together and yeah. you know, there's a dispute going on in our workplace and yeah. you know, the union's been very helpful and, and these kind of things. Yeah. But if there's a state level process of negotiations as part of I think leading up to our EBA around core conditions mm. and particularly the way that public sector pay kind of stalled under the Newman government. Yeah. And the tone that um and the the, the, the tone that the union is taking it's really, really interesting because on one hand, they have, we want, we think the workers should have a level of, of pay rises that is greater than what the government's on offer. Mm. Everything's on the table, and by everything on the table, they mean further negotiations with the government, yep. maybe taking things to the Industrial Relations Commission, but yep. all their statements are also framed within congratulations to the Palaszczuk government itself. Yeah, you know, right. so yep. the union leadership is certainly seeing that these fundamental negotiations yep. over the EBA yeah. is framed within being part of a partnership. Yeah. So you know the kind of the the absence of our us. Let's not yeah. blame anyone else. Yeah. Us having 
a level of self-organisation greater than the union hierarchy yeah. is playing out here. Definitely. Also in the way that the close relationship between the Queensland Council of Unions yeah. and the Palaszczuk government preemptively stops a lot of that set happening. That's right. I mean, just getting onto this issue of, of, of public sector pay in general, I don't think the Palaszczuk government intends to give a pay rise even any better than what Newman intended to give. And they have this whole talk about transferring of, of temporary contracts over to permanent contracts which is a nice rhetoric, but certainly something that they haven't actually concretized in any well, way. The thing that they have given, which has been noticeable in a day, is the, yeah. the union encouragement policy. And I think yeah, that, that's, that's, right. that's very weird yeah. because, you know, the, um, this is now an idea that management is meant to encourage union presence and union um, participation in the workplace. Yeah. And while it's given us no more structural power, it certainly has changed the atmosphere of the workplace. Definitely. Where, like, and I think that's for my thinking, coming from like a kind of ultra-left background, yeah. that's a problematic point that I have to, have to think through, that this kind of mm. relatively, relatively kind of symbolic yeah. gesture yeah. towards the union has suddenly yeah. given the workforce yeah. and the union a bit more space yeah. to, to tell management to get staffed. That's right. You know, and that, yeah. that's, not, that's not nothing. Um, anything else, John? Well, I mean, I want, to, I want to talk about Adani. Really, I should, should we do a special on Adani then? Mm, well, I just want to raise a few points quickly okay. because t- yesterday, I mean, the High Court is the, the Australian Conservation Foundation. So this is one of the continuations of the Newman yeah. legacy. Is this kind of anti-coal thing? Because both sides of politics seem in line in this that coal has a very important future role to play in Australia. But this is something I've been thinking about recently. It's just we can flesh this out more in a bit more of a discussion maybe next time. But just in terms of how Basically, the Australian Conservation Foundation is taken to the High Court against the federal government, yeah. saying that the Adani coal mine, which is going to be, um, which is called, it is in the Carmichael Basin and is going to be potentially, but almost certainly, you know, destroying significant portions of the Great Barrier Reef. They're taking this to court, but what, from from what I can see, is no actual level of government wants this mine to go ahead. The state government has pulled significant amounts of funding from it, mm-hmm. and the new Turnbull government has put this sort of stuff on the back burner completely. My, my reading of this is that they're much less keen on this coal is the future of humanity thing mm-hmm. than, than Abbott was. Turnbull is much more... Um, Turnbull doesn't seem to have the same attitude, but no one can publicly say that they oppose the Adani mine. Neither way, the state or federal government has the political capital to say we oppose the production of, the, the, the production of this new coal mine. So what seems to be happening, and if, if I'm reading this right, is they are just going to just waiting around until the Australian Conservation Foundation kills off the Adani mine in the courts. That's what I'm thinking about this, and maybe we can return to this. That's I think that's, that's fascinating. Like, yeah. um, obviously, it's a big question. Yeah. Right about the mine itself as a specific form of capital accumulation. That's right. And then I think there's another kind of thing that I haven't really had time to flesh out properly about how we think about energy production and its relationship to capital and right. the way that yeah. energy works. Yeah. I've certainly been reading um, some work by George Kofensis recently, a classic mm. essay of his about this. Yep. So I, I would like to, to do that. And I think you know, for a while, we've, we've talked about in the past, when we did this last series of podcasts about mm. doing some interviews with some of the people involved in the opposition yep. to it as well. So that would mm. be something worth, worth mm. pursuing. I, I guess the point that I want to kind of like reinforce yeah. is that um, when we're talking about the, say, the Palaszczuk government providing social peace. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they've been able to solve the antagonisms that lead towards crisis, no. right? 
no. like they've just been able to kind of almost put a stop gap yeah. on them yeah. but I think those antagonisms will break out anyway That's does that right. make sense like Definitely. Yeah. you know because I, and to oppose this idea that because this is something that I think you hear from the Labour Party yeah. is that social conflict is a choice mm. of the Conservatives that's right, right yep. due to their inferior management strategy. Or their ideology, the fact that they've got this neoliberal ideology. Yeah, that's, that's the diagnosis that we're often given. Yeah, that's so right. So, like, like, the Palaszczuk government is having an approach at the moment of basically, mm. you know, putting a, putting the finger in, in the dike kind of yeah, yeah. approach to stop, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. can, can they stop these contradictions overwhelming? Yeah. But I don't think they're going to be able to stop those contradictions from overwhelming. You know, the, um, the, the, the impact of... The end of the mining boom is a manifestation of global stagnation, both yep. in its drop in revenues and also dropping level of capital accumulation yep. will be played out. Yeah. Right? Yep. And that its social peace approach is not going to be able to solve these, yep. these problems. And it's worth noting, of course, that Queensland and WA are the states that are currently experiencing the highest levels of unemployment and also will have the highest issues arising in terms of tax revenue from the decline that, in these booms as well. So. That is interesting. Unless they're in some ways offset by the, you know, more housing construction or... Well, that's you know, the thing. I mean, and there's an impressive construction boom going on in um, in certain suburbs around Brisbane. Anyone who lives in Toowong knows that half yeah. of Toowong is being turned into a tower block at the moment. Which which will be interesting, which will, I think, also following on is that we're, we're leading up to the Brisbane City Council election yes, as well. Yes, that's And right. so some of the themes that we took up from um, Jonathan Sree, who we talked mm. about as a state election uh, candidate, yeah. is running... Yeah. Um, on the Greens ticket here, again, yeah. an interesting candidate, again worth talking about, yeah. because there's been some debate around his campaign about mm. if this could be similar to the movements in Madrid and Barcelona. Mm. You know, and I think that's worth yeah. having a thought about too. And also, of course, because Brisbane City Council is a huge government organisation, right? It's the biggest local government organisation in Australia. If not the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah, it's huge. I yeah. don't know. Like it's, it's, it's I don't know, I'm not sure if that's geography or money yeah. in the pocket or whatever, yeah. but it's... Or but it, an accident of history. But particularly if real estate is becoming, you know, mm. a, a spot under low mm. interest rates where a huge amount of construction is, is yep. happening. Yeah. And then, of course, this is it itself is tied to the international flows of money in yep. terms of, 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 of Chinese investment no longer being able to be bought to go to the, um, to go to the Macau gambling, go yep. to Macau gambling options and now going coming into Australia very much through the construction of new towers of money and it's the world is a, the world is awash yeah. with cheap capital at, at, That's at the right. moment too. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. Like in, global is, interest rates are yeah. so low that money yeah. is so cheap. Yeah. That's a reason why a lot of this stuff is That's is right. happening. Yeah. But it is yeah. a strange quiet in Queensland. It is. It is. And I think we've set ourselves up well for the next show. Well, I would also like uh, the next few shows. Yeah, next few shows. I think we should continue to look through. Yeah. Um, the, these things closer. It'd yeah. be interesting, uh, maybe we can start doing some research on is Brisbane becoming the tech capital, right? You know, like yeah, yeah, Brisbane right. cyberpunk yeah. on the Brisbane River. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if anyone has any ideas about this. Yeah, um, particularly anyone that has any links with the, the game designing yeah, uh, industry yeah, in, Australia, in, yeah. in Queensland, be interesting to hear about that. Yeah, All yeah. conflicts that you do think are emerging that we're missing. That's right, yeah, definitely. You know, Maybe we should set up a hash, hashtag living the dream. Yeah, well, um, something about Queensland. We need one about Queensland. Okay, yep, yep. Um, well, what about... It's because sunshine in the workers' paradise is too long, isn't it? That's half your tweet. Yeah, that's right. 
We'll work on it. We'll work on it. When we post this, there will be an active hashtag which you can contribute to. Okay? <laughs> but also the other thing I, I would like to think about in the future too is as, as well, is that my understanding is that the um, current ALP government is not going to change the abortion laws. Yeah, so this is a, a, another thing that's that's coming up. There's a few other issues in terms of abortion as well, so in terms of um, of, some, of, of particularly about sodomy laws and whatnot, and yeah. that the, the, there's a resistance to changing those to be in line with the rest of the state as well. So, so these are the current laws where basically um, male same-sex relationships mm. face a criminalisation yes. heterosexual relationships That's don't. right, yeah. It's, um, at the moment, yeah, 16 to 18 is, is, is illegal. That's so right. so, so this, this effectively means that like people having consensual yeah, yeah, relationships yeah. Right, yeah. are criminalised as if it's a form of pedophilia. That's right, that's right. And this so is, a, this is yeah. a horrific and intolerable, you know, yes, that's right. you know, situation. Yeah. And you would think that a lot of the kind of support of people behind the Labor Party government was to win some of these transformations yeah. to more progressive yeah. issues around abortion and sexuality. Yeah. And well, that's right, yeah. So these, these issues are all there. These issues are all there, all around, they're all under the, under the surface, just bubbling yeah. away. But at the moment, we've got this illusion of quiet. Yeah, okay, so... We'll come up with a cool hashtag. We will. And we'll pursue some of these investigations. Right. You've been listening to Living the, Dr- Living the Dream. Anything else to say? Or was a truck going past? Um, no, I think that's great. I think we'll, we'll, we'll keep thinking about this and we'll, we'll do another podcast in the next few weeks. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.